In this session, we want to look at the secrets behind the success of Jesus Christ. It is a very good and essential thing for those who follow Christ to understand who Jesus Christ was, the humanity of Christ, the social life of Christ, the spiritual life of Christ, the uh, miraculous life of Christ, the obedient life of Christ, his communication with the Father, and read between the lines of the miracles of Jesus Christ to also understand the secret behind this manifestation. Why would the Father love the Son so much and back the Son up? I believe that Jesus spoke about these secrets while he was on earth, and now we are going into a little journey of about 25 minutes on exploring the secret behind the success of Jesus Christ. Now, ministers of God, we will look at the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 8. It says, Philippians 2, really I read from verse 5 to 8. Philippians This scripture is quite very interesting one. It says, your attitude should be same as Christ Jesus. Alright. And it says, who being very in nature, very, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very, very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness, and being found, in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. <clears throat> now, what is the result of this obedience? Verse 9 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name, the name that is above every name, that are the name of Jesus or at the name Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We recognize a statement in this, or a fact in this, all, all this statement. Why did God exalt Jesus? Because He humbled Himself. Now, yesterday we dealt with humility. And we looked into the practicality of the word humility. And also we looked at the passive humility. That is, some people who see have pride, but they know that they have pride. Uh, but today, I want us to recognize that the secret of Jesus Christ is the submission to the Father. Submission to the Father is to not claim equality with the Father. Anybody who claims equality with his authority has claimed equality with the Father who set up the authority. In your churches, you have senior ministers, you have associate ministers, you have general overseers, you have bishops and stuff. You must recognize the hierarchy God has given you. The first example about Jesus was that the Father placed him high, but he did not claim that opportunity and claim equality with God, something to be grasped. A good number of times, people are appointed from members to deacon, to elder, to pastor, and before you know it, they want to start telling their appointee 
Alright. What he ought to do. That is no humility. Those of you who are Jeroboam and Bishops must teach your members. You must give honor to who honor is due. Direct application. We must recognize also that we all must submit unto God. Who is the authority above all mankind. There are nine things I saw in the life of Jesus. There could be more. But you know, I always like to explore. (laughs) Into the life of Jesus Christ. I tell you. The first thing is. The key to his success. When I was studying about him. Number one. Jesus loved all his disciples. Number one key to success. Any member you don't love cannot succeed in your church. Understand me. Because if you don't love a member, when you're blessed, he will not be blessed. Alright? That's the reason why we have looked into areas of goats and, and, and pigs that God will send to you. And as a shepherd, you must love everybody. Hmm? We're looking into the case of people who stab you behind you. As long as you put your back down to be stabbed, thank God for it being stabbed. Hallelujah, somebody. Jesus loved everybody. Even Judas. John 17 tells us. He prayed for the whole church in John 17. The second thing about Jesus I found out was that Jesus trusted all his disciples. The matter of trust is what determines delegation of authority. A lot of ministers, because of the fear of losing control, they want to always be in control, they guard that aspect of them, and because of that they could not delegate. Because they could not trust anybody. And what happened to a person like that is that you will burn out. Because you will soon find out that if God increases your flock, then God has given you a responsibility that you cannot cope with. Because as the flock increases, you will recognize that it's no more a home group. There are no more 10 people or 20 people or 30 people or 50 people. So the more they grow, the more you must graduate some among them to oversee others. And in doing that, there must be a degree of autonomy and liberty. But the fear of losing control always, to anybody who has it, always hinders their growth. Because to grow, you have to lose control. I will get you through some areas of how to deal with things. And when we look at conflict resolution on Wednesday or Thursday, you will get more information. So, Jesus loved all his disciples. Second, he trusted them. You know, in Luke chapter 9, they were still babies when he sent them out in twos. So he had to give them power and authority because they don't have it. He took his own power and gave it to them. His authority gave it to them. Alright? What I do in this is this. Sometimes I give my pulpit to my members. My practical way of training and raising leaders for tomorrow is as I teach them, I walk around, I look at each person when I'm speaking. You can know those who concentrate. You can know those who wander away all the time. And those who wonder away all the time, I can walk around and stand in their front and keep on talking until they wander back to me. No problem. You know, I, I was like that many years ago, you know. 
playing kites in church and then, you know, fantasizing and just enjoying the blues. Somebody is praying, somebody is speaking, somebody is doing everything, and you are just there watching, yeah? So, but I allow them to pass through that stage. Whereas I begin to look at people who are already kidding, and I can, I can check their sensitivity to the spirit by their look. And I can know people by their look who are full of God, matured, but they are still afraid. So for those who are afraid that I know they have the substance, what I do is that I appoint them to my pulpit. When I tell them to go to my pulpit to read the scripture or to lead a prayer or anything, the first time I see legs clashing, I see them talking what is not relevant to what you call them to do. I look at somebody. <laughs> and when they come back from it, I encourage them that that was fantastic, you know. Apostle, you mean, I mean, I didn't like what I said. Well, I, I forgot what I wanted to say. It happened to me also before. But it is fantastic that you went to the pulpit and you did something. So when I send you there next time, don't get taken away. Don't get too excited. Calm yourself down. Okay? Pulpit is not a place of excitement. It's a place of being real. All right? And so, gradually, 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 by reading the Bible, praying, they build confidence. Trust, I'm talking about. Jesus gave them his authority and his power. We ought to give our members our authority and let them use it. We have to give our members our power and let them use it. And we have to watch them. They have to give reports to us. And we have to celebrate them. I remember when I went to do crusade in um, Ijebuland. I told all the, the voodoo people that bring all your idols tomorrow and we're going to burn them. And the following day, I called uh, some of my uh, members and I said, you go there at 2, because I told them to come at 2. I will not be there at 2. You go and collect all those idols. So all of them, you know, Ijebu idols, <laughs> they are different type of idols. <laughs> you can touch some idols and just, you know, mess about. Ijebu idol, be careful when you touch it. So they have all this kind of fear, nothing in their head, but... There is no way I can help them understand that the word of God is true, that no weapon forged against you will prosper. You will strip, trip and lie on the serpent and it will not hurt you. There is no way I can help them understand it until I drop them into the midst of lions and they could do nothing. So they went. And when they got there, you know, some ministers who came from all various churches and the people were bringing the idols and bringing the charms and my members went and I, they were collecting it. And the, one of the ministers, senior minister said, no, 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 don't touch it, don't touch it. It's only for Apostle Williams. Let them just put it there. Ah, ah, don't you know what you're doing? <laughs> and my member said to him that, no, apostle told us that anything he can do, we can do. I wasn't there. And so they took all the stuff, including Ayilala, one deadly deity, you know, that kills people. And they took everything and put it there. They didn't know what, what, what it was what. Then it, is, it is rubbish. The Bible calls them Isaiah 44 verse 9. So I came in. And the pastor came to me and said, that, look at your boys. They have been touching all these things. You need to really pray for them. As they pray for them for what? Because they touch what the Bible says is nothing. So, it's a matter of trust. I was in the crusade sometime in Uja. And the Holy Ghost told me to leave. I just said to the pastor there, you go preach today. And I have announced that every sick person should come. And the people started coming. Because they came in the afternoon. Totally blind, crippled, bent. And all manners of twisted. Alright? But I had to go. And I told them. The pastor said, what will he preach? I said, preach what I taught you this morning. Jesus Christ heals. 
Jesus saves. Tell them the story of one healing. If you are sick, come out and pray for them. If Jesus did it in the Bible, he would do it now. Simple. You want to accept Jesus, come out. And I left. Say when you when you call the sick out, tell all these people who came from the church to pray for the sick. And so I left. He felt miserable. Anyway, he had to preach. Fifteen minutes or twenty minutes he finished preaching. If you want to give your life to Jesus, people came out. All of you who are sick come out, they came out. They said to all the members, You go pray for them. And one of them was six months old. And before this member was a man with hunchback, I think, and the other one was a man with with black, it was blind with a socket inside. As he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I think that Apostle Williams preached. <laughs> Suddenly he had pulled and the hunchback. In African, hunchback is real hunch. It is a pyramid at the back, squeezed, it vanished, and the man went pa straightened. The guy was dazed, the woman was dazed, and she started crying. Why the guy was shouting that you healed me? She was saying that, I don't know. And the other one now cried, Jesus, 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 to the blind. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And the eyes went, po! And the man's eyes was perfectly healed. This creative miracle. Alright? The socket that went in came, in, came out again, a normal face. And the guy threw his stick and he said that, I'm healed, I'm healed, you healed me. He said, I didn't heal you, I didn't heal you. And so Jesus was having fun. Because through them, members, miracles, crazy miracles was happening. Alright? So when I came by the following day, I taught them in the day that, look, this is what the Bible is. It's just for you. You don't need a gift to operate in that. Go preach. When you go preach, God manifests himself with great signs and wonders. If you preach, he will manifest himself. He is the healer. He is the savior. And they defile all the theories of the church. And God healed the crippled, threw them blind and so When I came the second day, I said, if I was here, I wouldn't be able to do open up to this. Because I may be a hindrance to some of you. So, trust and confidence is one of the principal things we will find in Christ. That even now, you and I, regardless of our frailty, our inability, inadequacy, is he trust us? So, we must trust his people. Not because of their well behavior, but because they are his saints. Number three, Jesus protected all his disciples. John 17, he said it. I protected them by the name you give me. Now we must protect all our members. You know, there are some members who will blow up their lives. If they blow up their lives and they come back to you, you are the only one who can put the piece together. You don't deny a member because he, he got himself into trouble. While you can scold him and rebuke him and correct him, you must also draw him near. Let me say this to you. If, what will it be to you if the police came and said that? Are you, are you Pastor X, Y, Z? You say yes. Is this person your member? You say yes. We just caught him in Lisham High Street picking pocket. Will you tell the police that I don't know him? No, you tell the police, my member, please, please, please have mercy on him. If you want to take him to court, I'll go to court with him. They bring him to court, you go to court with him. If they ask you to come and give evidence, you tell them. That judge, he was caught in the act. You would have time with him and tell him, this is the scripture, this is the law. Alright? We can only ask for mercy. Because you have done what is, what is the testimony before God, and the law of the land has, is there, you know, to either pardon you or to, you know, jail you or to give you a, a, a final warning, a suspended sentence. And then we can say, Father, he has repented. Now, Lord, give me a suspended sentence. You must not disown him because he behaved bad. 
But you must rebuke him and be firm in rebuke. Sometimes when we rebuke our members or rebuke our kids, we have to turn away our eyes from them for some time. Until they learn the lesson. But understand that you don't reject them. Because when they learn the lesson, they want to fall into some arms. And your arms are wide open. Wide open to take them. And this is what God is saying about Jesus here. Revealing about Jesus. He protected his disciples. Number four. Jesus prayed for all his disciples. John 17 is a principal scripture. You'll find all these things there. And in Luke 22 also. Verse 31 to 32. Jesus prayed for all his disciples in John 17. And said that uh, I do not pray for these ones alone. But I pray for those who believe me through them. If you read from verse 19 to 20 and 21. Number six, Jesus was transparent to all his disciples. Because every time he taught them parables, when he comes back in with them, he will explain the parables to them. There are many of us who are afraid to allow our secret to be known by members because of the fear of what the previous people did to you and what they can do to you. As much as not everybody that will just tell sacred things, there are people in your church that could be trusted. You understand? And you know the, the word trust has various levels. And we must make sure that you have a general trust for everybody that, well, they are called by God, they have a destiny, and they will fulfill God's way. Why we rebuke, we, we chart them, we correct them, we instruct them. At the same time, we see delegates. Somebody failed today doesn't mean you cannot try him again. Alright? Or else we will lose out from people who are passing through their infant age and little while they grow up and they become the pillar in the house. So, Jesus prayed for all his disciples. Number five. No, uh, Jesus was transparent. Number six. Jesus trained all his disciples. <coughs> Luke chapter nine. I haven't taught them for some time. He sent them to the side for practical. He trained all his disciples. We must train all our disciples. Some other times, we have to pay institutions to come and train them. Area that you don't know, and you have to pay. Pay institutions to come and train them. Don't be afraid that, oh, if I finish training them, they can go away. If they go, they will still use it in another church. It's the body of Christ. And you have sown one. God will now give you a better person. Because you have sown one out. I will together now. Jesus trained all his disciples. Number seven, Jesus rebuked his disciples where necessary. He rebuked his disciples where necessary. And he's firm when he rebukes. He doesn't joke at all. Number eight, Jesus wanted all his, all his disciples to be greater than him. John fourteen twelve. Number seven, Jesus rebuked his disciples where necessary. Number eight, Jesus wanted all his disciples to be greater than him. And the last one, Jesus understood the limits of his disciples. So he doesn't give you more than what you can buy. I we together now. These things I'm telling you, they are practical things that if you can apply... It will make sense of nonsense. I with me now. There is no garbage in the kingdom of God. No waste. 
Somebody may not be useful today, all right? But at least it's occupying its seat in your church. That is a use. <laughs> is that not correct? Somebody came to the church all the time and he sits down. He's occupying his space. Hallelujah. If nobody came, you can preach to that person. Amen. He may not do anything in the church. Because he always have excuses why he can't do what he can't do what. Their own is say prayer, I say amen. God knows there's no problem. That is a use. At least I'm encouraged that you are sitting down in the house of God and I celebrate that as much as I want you to do something anyway. I will together now. If you apply all these principles, you will get the best out of everyone in your church all the time without squeezing them unnecessarily. Now, the secret of Jesus' success. The first area I covered now is that man Jesus. Alright? Now we go to the secret of Jesus' success. Jesus did everything according to the will of the Father. Number one secret. John 5.19 I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees the Father doing. Which means that Jesus always seeks the Father's will on all occasions. He doesn't do things by his instincts. He will check that instinct. How do we know the Father's will? Basic way of knowing the Father's will is aligning what you are thinking with the scripture written word. Is this so in the Bible? That's your basic way of knowing what the Father is saying. You know, the will of God is. But then also we can progress from that to a higher dimension where we can understand by prophetic he had audible instruction and all stuff like like a lady who gave uh, the testimony on Friday who lost who, who went six months ago she went to shopping and she she got some money to shop in a place and then she lost the money and she looked around she couldn't find the money all right and so she left and six months after she even forgot she went to the shop but while we are doing this ninety days of prayer the very month we started on the topic of encounters she started praying for encounter and she was strolling past and she heard god's voice go into that shop she said why and the voice said again enter that shop she went into the shop she walked to the to the end of the shop and she was walking out and the spirit said to her again go into the shop <laughs> this is interesting she went back only for the shop manager to see her and say excuse me you were here six months ago. She said, no, not me. Because she's forgotten. The voice of God. The voice of God. She's a youth. And the man said, you were here six months ago. You lost some money. She said, I didn't. And the man said, look, I recognize your face. <laughs> and then the Holy Ghost reflected back the sins. Oh, yes. I went to the bank, collected some money to buy something in your shop, and the money disappeared. And the man said, how much was it? And she told the man the amount, and the shopkeeper said, do you want the money now, or you want to come back for it? Because I've kept the money for six months for you. Now, she could go back because she had God's voice. Alright? But the fundamental basics of knowing God's will is by checking it with the will of God. 
I will teach you a little bit more about that when I talk about more about angels tonight. Because if you look at the book of Acts, chapter 8, an angel appeared to Stephen and said to Stephen, Go to this road. And he went there, he met a man riding on, on uh, his chariot, chariot. And then the Holy Spirit said, Join that chariot. You can see the combination of angel speaking and Holy Spirit complimenting. Are we together now? So we can know the will of God by audible voice. We can know the will of God by vision. We can know the will of God by prophecy. But the fundamental basis to check anything is just the word. If it is prophecy, does the word establish it? If it is vision, is it in line with the word of God? So, you must know this. Jesus sought the will of the Father in everything. Sometimes when God tells you something, you have to tell the Lord that send me a witness and keep it to yourself without telling anybody. Until somebody testifies and comes to you and tells you that, look, I, I had this in my spirit. God is saying this to me about you. And you just smile. Because if you ask him for a witness, he will always say. Most times we hear, we think about something, we rush into it, and we discover eventually that it is not really the voice of God we had. The Bible says, test every spirit. The truth shall be established by two or three witnesses. I will together now. So, Jesus Christ did everything according to the will. Because God showed him everything he said. Why did God show Jesus everything? John chapter 5.20 says, The Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Alright? And he went further to say, in chapter 10, verse 17 of John, The reason my Father loves the reason my father loves me is that I laid my life. That is John chapter 10 verse 11. The reason my father loves me is that I laid down my life only to take it back. Now we understand that God loves Jesus and shows him all he does. And Jesus says the reason my father loves me is because I love the people to that my people to the place I laid down my life. Now listen to me. God showed me this one day. The Lord Jesus showed me this. You want to see healing happen. It comes by compassion. Are we together now? You know, either God gives you compassion or you provoke compassion. Once you hit it, healing will happen. It will happen. You know, when you see somebody who is deformed in meeting and your heart goes so sour, Lord, why should this happen? Please, Father. Once your heart, you know, tune in the compassion, power will come. You say in the name of Jesus, you are healed, you will see miracles happen. You will see it happen. The Bible says when Jesus saw the crowd, he has compassion on them. I will together now. So, the, if a minister can love his church to the place where he can die for the church, then... There is no limit to what God can do with you. The secret to the success of Jesus. But can we also do the same thing? Is it hard what I'm saying? How can we attain the same height of love with God? Number one. First John 3.16 This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. 
and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So if Jesus died for us, he laid his life for us, we ought to do the same thing. If we do the same thing, then God will reveal to us as he revealed to the Son. Sometimes our schedule and plan gets us so busy that we cannot demonstrate love. The other time we are talking about going to the hospital to visit members who are sick and stuff like that. No matter how, how high you are, how, even the Pope. But then, if you are not careful as a minister, you get yourself too much in many extracurricular activity. Hello? Administration, 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 administrative, administrative. And everybody, <laughs> and then you are not having problem. You are not having problem. Do you know something? The Lord sat me down one day. If you look at the book of Acts chapter 6, from chapter 2, beautiful gates happened, everything went beautiful. Hallelujah. That miracle of beautiful gate went for a long time. And they were enjoying themselves. Crowd came. Can you imagine you preaching one day and 3,000 people were added to the church? Some of you first go for holiday <laughs> in Dubai. You must go for holiday in Dubai. <laughs> you see, they went on holiday too. And then they now said, how can we manage these people? You know, you haven't fed these people. You need to give these people clothes. Ah, you haven't helped those other people. The apostles, they never knew that they have deserted the, the, the word, the ministry. And they were sharing bread. You know, there must be quality here. We don't want anybody to be cheated. What is your business in that? Your business is not to look after people who are cheated or not cheated. Let the cheat go away and cheat them. Your business is the ministry of the word and prayer. And when that happened, the anointing began to go down. The anointing began to go down because they became administrators. The Lord had told me, Father, give me power, give me power, give me power. I said, I have given you already. It's what you do with it. Lord, I'm waiting on you, I'm waiting on you. He said, ah, you are waiting on me. I am waiting on you too. <laughs> I'm waiting on you. You see all your business schedule, business schedule, business schedule. This one you said to that, that one you said to that, you said to that, you said to that, that, that. Don't let it, don't let those things take your life of the word and prayer on your knees before your God. Because your unction can be developed and sharpened when you pray and when you study the Bible. So sometimes you have to just turn deaf ear to everything that is happening. You know, I used to say to my wife sometimes, Oh, she, she tells me that hey, this person is having this crisis. We have to go tonight. I told her, my going there, will it solve the crisis? No, because I have a plan for tonight and I have a plan for tomorrow. For God, I, ha I cannot leave my time to seek God because somebody is crying somewhere. Because if I leave seeking God's time to go there, I don't have power. But if I stand before God in his own time and meet him, I can send him on an errand. He will do it for me. My God will do it for me. It's a matter of not allowing your emotion to override your spirituality. That is the scripture. That is the scripture. We must lay down our life. Number two, we must serve God. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 12, verse 24 and 26 to 26, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves me who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. 
That is the reason why I saying all those stuff. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. Then look at what he said last. My father will honor the one who serves me, ministers of God. You know, let me help you break a cartel. Some people have said, anointing, 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 as if the anointing bucket is in their house. And then in all our houses, is only a cup of anointing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, take it, 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 take it. And if you are too slow to take it, they push you into it so that you will somersault and fall. Say, that's the anointing, that's the anointing. Those things are garbage. Let me say this to you. We are all equally anointed. No man under heaven has a higher anointing than another, according to the scriptures. When the anointing come upon me, I will manifest the gift in me. Okay? When the anointing come upon you, you manifest the gift in you. But interestingly, the gift that God gave us, it varies from one person to the other. So because I can just roll and sneeze and then the dead is raised from the ground and it becomes a living soul, or I just struck my hand and the cripple is working, it doesn't make me more anointed than you. It doesn't make me more anointed than you. After all, you can operate in healing by gift, and you can operate by faith. If I operate by gift, you don't have the gift, you can believe God and it can happen to you too. Because those things can happen by grace or by, by faith. Are we together now? So therefore, if you look at the life of Jesus, he says that unless you die first, you cannot live. We are struggling for life, but we have to die. Completely die. And then Jesus now said, all these things I'm telling you, he's just telling you, summarizing it, that when whoever serves me must follow me. We want to follow Jesus in everything Jesus does. We want to follow anything we want to do. We want to ask Jesus, ask, the, ask ourselves that would Jesus have done it that way? And if not, we don't want to do it that way. We follow Jesus exactly to the, to the uh, uh, footprint. And then he says something. Whoever follows me will serve me. Hmm? Then he said, whoever serves me, my father will honor him. <laughs> and when God honors you, You'll be financially well off. You'll be spiritually well off. Doors will open for you. You'll find people everywhere you go. You know, we are looking at the secret of Jesus Christ. And the first thing we looked at is that Jesus, the Father loves the Son, alright? Because the Son gave His life. And because of that, the Father shows the Son everything. So the ability of Jesus to know everything helps his success. The second major thing that helps the success of Jesus is Jesus is a workaholic. He was a workaholic. He worked so hard. Jesus will work so hard until his body gives way. Alright? John 5.17, he says, Jesus said to them, My Father is always at work. To this very day, and I too am working. My food, said Jesus, the next chapter, 434. So let me go, go one after the other. Chapter John 517. Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Okay? Now, 
The second scripture, John 4, 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of he that sent me and to finish his work. Work, 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 not sleep. Then the third thing he says, John chapter 9, verse 4. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent us. Night is coming when no man can walk. Walk, 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 Jesus. Now, the last scripture, John 17, 4. I have brought you glory at the end of his journey on the earth by completing the work. If you look at the life of Jesus, he began by work. He was in the middle by work. He ended by work and he completed the work. Listen to me. The two things that are the secret of Jesus Christ. He was able to see everything the Father is doing. And he was a workaholic. You know, <laughs> some ministers have said that my job is just the Bible and the prayer. That is one cap. As much as you cannot allow administration to hinder your spiritual at the same time, you are an oversight, and we have looked at all the details of that in the past lectures. It is the duty of the pastor in charge to make sure that he oversees all operations under him, including financial matters, administrative matters. When we look at the government of the church tomorrow, I'm going to be helping you understand again. There are two aspects to the church. There is the spiritual aspect. And there is the administrative aspect. And the two are distinct, but they interoperate. If you are very spiritual, and you take care of spiritual, and you have no administration, you'll be bankrupt. You'll be bankrupt. I can stand before you today and say that I have not taken Christ with tabernacle into debt by anybody. For mortgage, you have to go by mortgage because Jesus says, use the mammon of this world to gain habitation for yourself. So if you have money to buy a house, it's better you use mortgage and invest your money. Alright? <clears throat> so that you will invest the money and that money will multiply for you. And you can buy that kind of house for five in ten years with the money you have saved that you have invested. I would get it now. It's a silly thing for you to go and buy a house cash down. It is one of the ungodly things that God will not do. <laughs> When Jesus says, use the mammon of this world to make habitation for yourself. <clears throat> God will rather invest his money and take money from the bank to live in the house. And let that investment pay off the bank loan. So that at the end of the day, you have your money and you have, you have paid your loan through, uh, you know, investment. Are we together now? So we need to recognize this, that therefore, we must be hard working. The Final thing in this section, this segment is this. Why does Jesus do all this? Because he loved the Father. That is why Jesus is doing all these things. And you must love the church too. What is love? First Corinthians thirteen, four to seven. Love is patience, love is kind. It does not envy. When I read this, I want to mark yourself. In your relationship with the church. With your members. Are you patient with them? Are you very kind to them? Do you envy your members? Eh? 
It's possible for a pastor to envy his member. Because you are a pastor and you are praying for God to bless your member. And somebody God bless him. And you are angry. Can you imagine? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's strange. And you start misbehaving to the person that God has blessed. Instead of you to enjoy the blessing, eh? Paul is planting, Apollo is watering. You must not envy. You feed your people, you teach them the word of God, and one of them started seeing vision, and you don't see nothing. Alright? One of them started prophesying, and your own lips can only speak one language in tongue, and that's all you know. Okay? Why should you envy him? Celebrate him and use him. Huh? You have a member who can see, and you are seeking God for something, you need to go and call him. Come there. Sit down. Ask God now. Tell me what God saying. Instead of you to be angry that, you know, God, what's happening here? It is your work now. God will use you as a pastor to give back to an apostle, to give back to a prophet, to give back to a teacher. And when they are back, be happy. Don't, don't, don't be envious of them. Nurture them. Continue to love them the more and help use their grace and their gifts. Don't you think they will contend against you? They cannot. Love does not boast. It does not proud. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere. This is where we're going to stop today. Because we are not able to start at the adequate time, the next topic I would like to teach will be tomorrow on church projects and finances. But let me give you a little precy about projects and finances. The first thing God showed me is that project can be instructed by God. That's the first thing. And I will take you through how that comes. The second thing God showed me is that project can be inspired by circumstances. Not every project the church faces only goes have to speak. Sometimes you have to speak. And don't be afraid that you are the one doing it for God because God God has that in his contemplation when he forms partnership with you as a minister. He doesn't expect to be a robot. God doesn't want leaders to be robots. He wants you to think on his behalf and create things and get it done. Then projects can also be prophetic. It can come by prophetic utterance and the project will be bad. Then projects can come through missionary, missionary endeavors. You can go on a mission and then the project will start. But in all these projects, where we're going to look at various areas of the projecting, you will discover that God has ordained those who will fund them within your enclaves, your family, church, before the project comes up. There are people there who God has marked. And I'm going to show you here something I call your money is in the mouth of your fish. The Lord told me one day that don't kill the fish that bring the money. He says your money is in the mouth of the fish. I said, Lord, what? He said, when they came to me and asked for tax, I told Peter, go catch the fish. But that fish, don't kill it. Because Peter is used to eating fishes. That one, baby, <laughs> don't eat him. Just open his mouth, take the money, and let him go back. Why? So that he can produce more. Hallelujah, somebody. When you raise funds to kill members, you will destroy their souls. Some of us don't understand. And that's the reason why under heaven, no man under heaven can come and raise fund of my pulpit. If I invite a minister to preach, if he talk about funding, I will go to him and say, excuse me, please, collect the microphone. I say, can you sit down, sir? 
You can't know my house more than me. If I tell my, if my people I want to get money from there, I tell them we need X amount, they will bring it. I don't have to bring someone to come and help me take money from her. Is there any one of you women who always bring somebody else's husband to come and take money from your husband for you or another woman to come and help you collect money from your husband? No, you know your husband. You tell him, man, sit down. I need X amount, okay? <laughs> Even I've been keeping quiet all this day. Now I'm not keeping quiet. I need the money. And I know any man, when the wife double crosses you like that, you say, all right, okay, no problem. I, I get it. Yeah. You, you get it. No problem. You just get it. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. Nobody can help you collect money from your children. If your children didn't give you gifts in the, on the Father's Day or Mother's Day, you call them and sit them down and tell them how your mother labored over you and how she poured blood on your head. I need extra money. Go and buy me a tie. Okay? Is it not so? So in church, you, you tell your members when we have to raise funds, this is how much the money is, and this is what we are using it for, we are raising the fund. When you raise the fund, if you reach the amount, you tell them, we have got to the limits. If they give more than that, you tell them, we have gone above what you are looking for by X amount, and I'm telling you, church, we are going to put that money into this other thing. Everybody say yes. You are, you are free before God. Okay? We are going to look at that principle how you can turn money loose in your church and we're going to look into giving how you can raise a giving church people who will give their heart give their body give their soul and give their wealth a church of understanding when it comes to money matters we're going to look at that tomorrow tomorrow morning i'm sure you have been blessed well for those of you who are watching this program and those of you who have been following us on the on the web streaming, I want to thank you so much for your patience. We have come to the end of the second day where we looked at um, the topic on um, the um, the secrets of Jesus Christ, exploring Jesus as a human, that is his humanity, and how Jesus really brought divinity into manifestation of the humanity. And we have been so much blessed looking on tracing the life of Christ and seeing how he was successful by his submission unto God and by his compassion and love for the church for which he gave his life. And we also can give our life for one another until the next time I come across your path. Remain blessed and see you again. Well, we thank God for this hour. I want to thank every one of you for coming. 